four days. We'll use this period to uh, cultivate the quality of equanimity in our own hearts and minds. I just want to t- uh, talk a little bit about equanimity and uh, how it works as this kind of practice. Um, so first, by equanimity, what we mean, we're really referring to uh, what in Buddhism is a, a specific uh, mental factor, quality of mind, just as compassion is a specific mental factor, and mudita is a specific mental factor. Uh, metta comes under non-hatred, under a broader realm. So equanimity is a specific mental factor. The, uh, the word in Pali, it's one I really like, um, tatra majatata, which basically means like keeping in the middle of all things. So it's really like kind of I, I have that image, you know, of, of the, the human standing in the middle, you know, of heaven and earth and all things kind of equipoise in the middle of all. And um, this mental factor, which goes into upeka equanimity, it's uh, considered one, in any wholesome state of heart and mind, there are quite a few mental factors that are always present in them. Equanimity, or tatra majatata, is one of them. This perfect balance of mind. So, that's really how you say it's associated with pure consciousness. It affects the balance of the mind that's really present, but not pulled into reactivity by whatever circumstances are arising. Now, in terms of cultivating this as a Brahma-vihara, what we're doing is you know, calling up uh, that quality or inclining our mind in that direction and then strengthening it in the same way uh, focus we've been doing with the other three is we keep bringing the attention to the inclining to that quality, to that quality. It gets stronger and stronger until it can begin to, as they say, radiate in all directions. It becomes boundless in that way. So as it strengthens into Brahma Vihara, it becomes what is called an unshakable balance of mind. So Equanimity, tatramajatata, being that it's arising whenever there's uh, a pure heart-mind, it's something we all experience. But this, this really strengthening into the unshakable quality, we really, it kind of comes to the forefront and we really experience it, is, is something that we focus on in the equanimity, Brahma-vihara. But I want to point out, of course, in Vipassana practice, or other one-pointed practices as well, it would also be arising and strengthening. It's as well, you'll hear tonight, Bonnie's going to talk about the seven factors of awakening. Equanimity is one of those as well. So it shows up in different ways in the way we talk about our experience. So here, as Brahma-vihara, first, it's a little... First, it's a little bit different in in the way my mind conceptualized doing it from the other three. Because even, Brahma-viharas, because we start as saying we go through the same beings in slightly different order, but it's not so much that I'm wishing you equanimity. 
and, and, and when I was first doing it, I was trying, it didn't make any sense. But what we're doing is cultivating that quality of uh, really loving, connected, that is standing in the middle of all things, that's non-reacted towards ourselves, towards in connection with any being. To be honest, it sometimes is a little bit challenging. The, uh, let me just read something from um, Nyanaponikathera. He's talking about equanimity is the perfect, unshakable balance of mind. It's rooted in insight. It's rooted in wisdom. It's not disconnected, heartless, who cares? That's not equanimity. But that's the so-called near enemy, right? Indifference. And it's really, a st- when you really feel equanimity and then go into indifference, you can tell the difference, just like with all the near enemies and the beautiful states. It's really obviously different. But until we recognize it's so easy to slide into indifference and still be thinking it's equanimity. This, I mean, I've noticed this actually in my life, even uh, more than as a Brahma Vihara practice, where there'll be a period, however long, where I'm feeling really equanimity is rooted in wisdom. <clears throat> the heart is open. Attention, the mind is connected to oneself, to whatever's occurring, or if it's about a being, to the being. There's definitely that sense of connection. And a tenderness of feeling what's happening. It's not like, oh yeah, that's kind of tough. That happened, you know, yeah. Yeah, now we're all the owners of our karma, you know. There's, but that's the phrase. It's easy to slip into that. And so, but there's this like radiant calm, I think of it as, really connected. And so the subtle disconnect can come in at first without noticing. So I've had like periods in life where I'm feeling really connected and all the joys and sorrows of my life and the people I'm connected with come and you feel it but not really getting thrown off balance and really equanimity and as time goes it changes that's always going to happen no and maybe the wisdom factor goes down the energy goes down or I I start to think yeah well the mind's equanimous it's all cool you know I'm just like flowing with it and the little extra mm, awareness, the living awareness that's always what comes with wisdom starts to fade out and it's like you're coasting, coasting on the wisdom of the day before. Can you relate to that at all? Yesterday it was all happening without any effort, so that's how it is now. (laughs) But it isn't like that now. Anyway, and so as it starts to slide into indifference, I often wouldn't notice it. And then suddenly I'd realize, not so suddenly, okay, maybe after an hour, after three months, really, and I was like, I'm not kidding, I'm sorry, I'm not, that was not an exaggeration sometimes. I think everything's mellow, and I go, oh, wait. It's really like disconnected, it's moved into a kind of, "Eh, I'm not really touched by things anymore. That's not equanimity, that's indifference. So it's subtle, huh? So exploring this in the Brahma Vihara and also in our practice, because equanimity is really kind of the culmination of wisdom. It's rooted in wisdom. The far enemy of equanimity is reactivity. 
And um, one, I think, one of the effects of this practice, what can make the Brahma-Vihara practice, that can sometimes make it a bit challenging, is duh, the far enemy often gets kind of highlighted. You may have noticed that in the other ones. And so sometimes um, I will give some of the phrases, and you'll see how the, how the reactivity could get triggered. Um, but sometimes it does. What do you mean? You know, you're the heir to your actions and my wishes can't make you happy. What do you mean by that? What's the point? And the mind goes off into reactivity. And where it's really then important to recognize this is the practice of cultivating equanimity in relationship to ourself or another being in a particular circumstance. But it's really seeing that quality in our own mind and heart. You know, not so much, I wish it for you, as seeing how I'm with you in this experience, but I can't control your happiness and suffering, for example. So really, really, I have found coming to touch that in this as an intensive practice, at times it's, it's fantastic, it's so beautiful. And at other times, it really brought up in me a kind of a, a reactivity or like a, almost like a fear, which is a kind of reactivity. It's like it seems so bald, maybe. So this is how it is, you know? It's like the, the classic phrase is, I, you, all beings, are the heirs, the owners, the heirs of, of your actions, of your karma. Your happiness and unhappiness arises from your actions, not from my wishes for you. Which is a long, drawn-out thing, although I came to actually really appreciate that particular phrase. I'll offer you a few others, and then on the board, the notice board, there's a list of all different kinds of equanimity phrases, so you might need to seek one that connects for you. But So... Yanaponicus says, describes equanimity as the, the perfect, unshakable balance of mind rooted in insight, but it is not dull, heartless, or cold. The, the perfection is not due to an emotional emptiness, an emotional disconnect or not caring, but to the fullness of understanding, to its being complete in itself. In a way, it said, I think James alluded to it this morning, that when we talk about the four Brahma-viharas, one way of thinking of it and talking about it is that uh, equanimity is the factor that brings the, the vastness and the unconditional all-being's nature to the other three Brahma-viharas. So like with metta, as is often people say, well, how can we wish may all beings be happy? That's impossible, right? You've all thought that. As soon as you start thinking about it, it's impossible. And so the equanimity (laughs) doesn't make it possible that all beings can be happy, but it's seeing the vastness. Well, we can't understand the vastness, but the vastness that at some point any being has happiness, at another point any being has sorrow. At another point, we wish well for all beings. And equanimity brings in this vastness knowing we can't control it. And it's not going to ever all be the same for everyone. But there's this 
vastness of seeing, you know. I mean, from the Buddha's point of view, he's seeing aeons and world, world, uh, world cycles coming and going and this incredible vastness. Okay, we don't have to go there. I suppose if one could really see on that level, it gives a kind of a vastness to our, our momentary sufferings and happinesses. But it's not that. It's just knowing that we're all going to experience all of it at different times. Not the same for all of us and not in equal measure, God knows. But that equanimity brings the vastness. So it's said like with compassion, it's the, the knowing, the rooted in wisdom that allows us at times when there's so much suffering that we're opening to and not to drown in the sorrow or the reactivity, the equanimity that gives the vast of this is how it is now, that allows the heart and mind to be there. With appreciative joy, again, it's the equanimity that allows us not to just get totally lost in woo-hoo, you know, isn't this fantastic? And then, then kind of plummeting the other way, but, you know, this person's happy, but that person's not happy, and how can I, you know, just the vastness, the vastness. I'm saying a lot of different things. I don't want you to think about it a lot. I'm just trying to to paint a different picture of equanimity, of the vastness of it. The wisdom that's often described, or the experiences often when, when it's talked about equanimity, is in very simple terms the recognition of what that we all go through at different times, what's described often in the suttas as the eight worldly winds, Probably many of you have heard of that, right? The eight opposing conditions. So gain and loss, pleasure and pain, or happiness and suffering, praise and blame, fame and disrepute, like being really well thought of, being completely, you know, and underneath everyone saying, oh, yeah, they're so bad. And you can see sometimes how these can flip back and forth for any one of us, and sometimes really quickly. And again, it's back to the first noble truth when we're having praise and it flips to blame. It's so, you know, shocking. How could that happen? But it happens all the time. I mean, well, we see, you don't have to go to Twitter and online and everything, but you see, I feel so sorry now for famous people. Because, you know, as soon as they're famous, you know, it's almost like they're out to be shot down or something, you know, who can find something bad to say and then it's all over the internet. But that kind of, we see that kind of it's a little bit, okay, fun may not be the right word. But when you kind of tune into watching this in your own life without taking it so personally, it really starts to bring in the equanimity in terms of being, when we're in this seat, you know, with our job being to teach and share things, and there's people, there's times, I remember years ago, I was doing an interview group somewhere else in another country, and for some reason, the people in the group were feeling quite free to share their opinions. (laughs) So one of one started like, I really didn't like your talk, I really didn't like the humor, they're going on and on, I'm going, okay. And then the next person said, I really love the humor. And that's just what the other person was hating. You can't land on any of it. This is equanimity, you know? You don't land, you don't make, it's like praise and blame, pleasure and pain, it can flip just like that. So equanimity is 
the vastness of wisdom, the vastness of heart that can recognize it all and can be with the joy and be with the sadness and be with the flatness and be with the beauty without falling into reactivity. So that's just what we're cultivating, you could say. Just another piece. There's a, a sutta where the Buddha is giving advice to his son, Rahula, who became a monk at a young age. So he's giving him advice about these four Brahma Viharas. So just he said to Rahula, the practice of metta abandons the habit of ill will in the mind. That of karuna, compassion, abandons the habit of cruelty. That of mudita, appreciative joy, abandons the habit of discontent. And upeka, equanimity, abandons the habit of aversion. So I, I don't actually think it's that limited, but it's just kind of interesting to see the little subtle differences here. Okay. So that's all I want to say in uh, introducing it. So the way we practice it as a Brahma Vihara is the same form. We start with the neutral person. And uh, then we go to ourselves, and then we go through the same groupings, you know, self, benefactor, friend, difficult person, and um, all beings. Uh, so as I say, we start by thinking of neutral person, and yeah, when I first was doing it, I'd been doing intensive metta, and then the other three, and then equanimity, so I was trying to radiate to that person, you know, all beings are the heirs of their actions, like radiate that wisdom out to them. And that was like very, it, it didn't fit because that's not what it's about. It's really, cult- you connect to the person, to the sense of the person, just like we've been doing. And then it may be easier rather than thinking, d- depend how it comes up for you. One way may be the whole person, get a sense of your, your happiness and your unhappiness arises from your actions, not from my wishes for you. That depends on my wishes for you. And so when I was doing it, at first that was a really long phrase. I'll say it again. Um, All beings are the owners or the heirs of their own actions, or karma. Karma just means action, intentional action. Your happiness or unhappiness springs from your actions, not from my wishes for you. That's the classical phrase. So that's one that often triggers reactivity. We offer other phrases because if if it go right into reactivity, it isn't helpful. Of course, reactivity may come up later. We play with that. We explore that. But anyway, when I first started with that phrase, I found it long. But then, this may not connect for you at all, I came to love it because I found that one phrase included all four Brahma Viharas in it. So when I'd start with, you know, you, so then the neutral portion, you're the owner of your actions. And that was the connectedness of mind, like of metta. I just connect, yes, you're the owner of your actions. But I'm not like saying it as a punishment. I'm actually feeling in my own heart. You're the owner of your actions, your happiness. And then I would feel mudita. Or your unhappiness... I would feel compassion. Comes from your actions, not from my wishes. Not from my wishes is like the letting go that somehow I can control 
or fix, but it's not the letting go of disconnect. Do you get a sense of what I mean? Just play with it, play with it. Don't, I know I'm saying a lot, don't overthink it. Um, so it may be that you connect and feel like a sense of the whole person, that's fine. Another way could be, whether it's neutral, you may not know so much specific, or when we come to ourself and then benefactor, if we get that far today, it may be you connect to yourself, connect to that person. There may be a specific um, aspect going on in their life that pops into your mind. It may be a suffering aspect, a happy aspect, or something you wish they would kind of clean up their act. You know, whatever it is, you've been through all of that with a person in all the other ways. So it's kind of like, let that come up, and then we're holding this sense of really connecting to them, including this aspect, but the equanimity is like really knowing your happiness and unhappiness I can't control by my wishes arises from your own actions. Still, I'm here with you. So another, I wrote down a couple other phrases. I care for you, but cannot control or keep you from suffering. But equanimity also includes happiness. It's not just about suffering. I wish you happiness, but cannot make your choices for you. These are like more modern ones. Some people find, this works for some people as, things are as they are right now. Just this kind of simplicity of being fully present with a sense of the person, whatever's going on, staying really connected, things are as they are right now. Another, however I might wish otherwise, I cannot, you know, control your suffering. I cannot change this for you. This is not about what we do or don't do. This is cultivating this quality of radiant, connected presence that isn't pushing and pulling, but that's really there in connection with someone. I care for you but I cannot control your happiness or unhappiness. May I accept things as they are right now. May, be, may I be or may we be undisturbed by the comings and goings of life. I care for you, but cannot keep you from suffering. I care for you, but cannot make you be happy, you get the idea. Those are kind of like the main ones. And there's some other ones out there. Find what works for you. So it may be that you have a sense of the whole person or your whole self, or when you come to self, maybe it's a particular thing going on. And notice, it doesn't have to be a suffering thing. It could be a happy thing that we're getting all attached to, and that's also reactivity. So, you know, just, okay, may I be with things as they are. I care for myself, but I, and it's a little trickier when it's with ourself, it's more like, may I accept things as they are. Even for ourselves, our happiness and unhappiness arises from our actions, not from our wishes, which is what we've hopefully been seeing really clearly here. Now that's going to make you confused. When we're saying with metta, may I be happy, and it feels like a wish, right? But it's an action of mind. It's actually inclining the intention of mind away from, this is hopeless, to may I be happy. 
That's an action of mind, you know. A wish would be, we sit down and say, I wish I would just quit liking chocolate, you know. I just wish I would, and then we go and eat as much chocolate as we want. Oh, I wish I would quit liking chocolate. We don't do anything about it, right? That would be, you know, my wishes. (laughs) It's not about my wishes, it's about my actions. But anyway, don't overthink it. All right. So let's just start simply. We start with the neutral person, and then we'll come to ourselves and just have a, have a patience with it. Because it's not such an immediate big emotional feeling to be looking for. It's this radiant calm. So find the way that you have been just landing here in this moment. And of course, starting with simply however the body feels, however the heart-mind feels. It's like this right now. It's just like this. That that cool connectedness of non-reactivity is what takes us into the deepest peace of awakening. It's what allows for that. So just simply connecting. And we do start by bringing to mind whoever you've been using as the so-called neutral person. And whatever helps you connect, I know we've had, you know, just connecting with them as a whole being in metta, or focusing on some aspect of their happiness, or their suffering in the other two. See, just see what comes up for you now in terms of bringing into heart, to mind, this person, this so-called neutral. And so what we're cultivating is this even-mindedness, really connected and even, able to be with all aspects, so... I care for you, but I cannot control your happiness and unhappiness. You are the owner of your actions, the owner of your kama. Your happiness and unhappiness springs from your actions, not from my wishes for you. May I be with things as they are. So now just taking some time exploring what that's like to do this for a little bit.
Remembering, though, the first step is that connecting. It's not a disconnected, ah, whatever. Really connecting. And you're the owner of your actions. May I be really present with you, knowing your happiness and unhappiness does not depend on my wishes for you.
And if you'd feel like to explore moving to yourself, maybe go back and forth if you get too involved, but just see how it is. And with ourselves, it may be a you know particular, maybe there's a particular incident going on in our mind or in our life. I mean, don't go looking, but something that pops up or maybe just the way you're feeling right now, whatever. And connecting with yourself, and whether it's the classic phrase, you know, I am heir to my actions. My happiness and unhappiness springs from my actions, not from my wishes. Or may I meet this with balance. May I be with things as they are. Or just simply things are as they are. Just exploring meeting the sense of ourselves with this connected balance of mind and just, just playing with it, exploring. If you get lost, it doesn't feel enough energized, you're just lost in thought, just take a moment to stop, reconnect, Go to the neutral person again if you get lost in stories about yourself. Come back, just exploring this possibility of being really present with this steady, accepting wisdom quality of heart, of mind. May I accept things just as they are right now.
may all beings know peace and the causes of peace. So, very few minutes if you have questions about this or of course. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.